Hey folks, um, I'm going to get to the podcast in a second, uh, but as has become standard around the start of these episodes, I really want to take a moment to uh, thank all the Patreon supporters. I super appreciate your ongoing uh, commitment to helping support this podcast happen. I'm making some changes around the podcast, uh, one of which is that uh, everybody from any level of support going forward is going to get early access to the podcast. So that means if you pledge a dollar, you will get the episode at least 24 hours ahead of time and when possible, uh, 48 hours ahead of time. So that's one of the new perks. The other thing that I'd like to get some feedback on is I've been thinking about starting a group specifically for people who are uh, supporting the Patreon uh, at a certain level where we can hang out and talk about the episodes more, where there's more interaction where when possible, I'll invite the uh, guests of the podcast to come and hang out and so on. Um, so I'd be curious to hear if that's a thing that inspires anybody here. And, uh, you know, the third thing that people are getting is if you subscribed at the $5 level, you get access to the special extra recordings. So with Stacking Skulls, we've recorded a 13-minute piece where all three of us discuss how to better connect with plant allies and to build a relationship with them uh, from each of our perspectives and each of those perspectives sort of builds on each other in very practical ways so think about supporting the podcast it'd be much appreciated head on over to patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp and sign up right there Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Hermit Slam podcast. I am hanging out today with uh, Stacking Skulls, which would be my buddies uh, Fabeku and Aiden. We have uh, taken a submarine to our secret underground bunker. We have uh, concocted all sorts of uh, beverages to prop us up for this from uh, weird poisons from, from rodents and lizards and reptiles uh, and obscure sea fish. And we have... Uh, found the long-lost grimoire of the monkey Satanists, which we have uh, properly venerated before we're going to start here. <laughs> so, on that note, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Um, you know, this is a, a fairly regular thing that we've been doing for a while with different guests, uh, as well as our, uh, you know, long-lost founding member, John. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, today we're getting together for the first time in quite a while, just the three of us to kind of catch up and talk about stuff that's going on. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to skip the introductions. If people don't know who, who we are, well, go, go back and listen to one of the other episodes. Um, you know, but like, what's going on? What's, what's new? What's happening? What's changed? You know, we recorded last, uh, I would say it was uh, just after the fire. So I think that was sort of early... Uh, like middle summer, somewhere around there was the last time we talked, which is about six months ago as this is recording. Well, other than, you know, raiding Monkey Island for the Grimoire of Satan, um, it's all been, you know, smoking scorpions. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's just been, it's good. It's been crazy times. End of the year is always crazy. Uh, yeah, so. I'm kind of, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm married to an accountant mm -hmm. who is also somewhat clairvoyant. 
so there's this combination of stuff that begins before the end of the year that is we are kind of shifting you know a full year ahead or two years out so we run on kind of a two-year plan at this point and so it's just working that stuff out and, and kind of deciding uh what the focuses are going to be for that time period as best as we can knowing that things change but what's the what are the kind of targets what are the time frames mm-hmm. uh can we kind of plan that enough that we can plan in some downtime um and then for me it's a kind of uh backing away from the jewelry work for a while to focus on teaching and writing so mm-hmm. that's the that's the big one for me how how's that uh How's the preparation for teaching going? You know, I, I mean, I've seen some on social media, but what's, what's that like for you? It's been pretty crazy because I decided that I really wanted audio. Uh, video was kind of too cumbersome to try and share, I thought, and I wanted people to be able to listen to it in different places where they didn't necessarily have rock-solid internet. Um, and so it was a weird process. So I kind of started recording before I was ready, which was good. Uh, so that kind of broke me in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's a different way of transmitting. And so it's been very interesting figuring that out. Um, but I like what's coming along and the allies like what's coming along. And they got, as usual with projects, way, way, way more involved than I somehow expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of that shaping influence in there that is kind of how do I work in, okay, since you're only going to give me a quarter of the curriculum, <laughs> how do I make it fit? Either give it all to me or stay out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is what I would like to say some ways, but it is good, but it is kind of, okay. So if that's taken over these two, two sections of the class, what else are we going to run mm-hmm. in a limited time frame? But it's fun. It's been very fun. It's awesome. Yeah, I really dig teaching a lot. I think, I mean, I, I know Fabeku does too, right? So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. How about you? What's going on with you, Fabeku? Uh, let's see. Yeah, so end of year, I, I pretended that I was taking December off and then had the busiest December I've had in, <laughs> in years. So uh, not so much of a break, but it was mostly busy with good stuff, which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of similar to Aiden, you know, kind of looking at the next couple of years and figuring out what it looks like and what I want to do more of and what I want to do less of and uh, definitely kind of continuing to shift more and more to the teaching, the writing, the art, a lot of art, you know, it's kind of, that's kind of my question at this point, you know, how do I, how do I do more art is the, is the big $64,000 question. But uh, yeah. And you know, this might be the year that I actually do a website for the art. Maybe I've, mm-hmm. I've resisted that for, years for all kinds of reasons but um yeah so that might be a thing but um given you haven't updated your website since uh, 1842 right I'm not sure, exactly uh, I'm right not sure that's... That <laughs> yeah that's the running joke i've got the world out of date website on the planet uh yeah that's that's the truth uh yeah so just just tons of art stuff which has been good um carved out some more time in the schedule this year to, to finish the book projects that uh, kind of stalled at the end of the year between busyness and health stuff and you know, needed to get a new laptop and you know, some other shit. But uh, yeah, so I'm you know, excited about that. And um, yeah, just looking forward to, like I said, more teaching, more art. So. 
Yeah. How are you doing, Andrew? What do you got going on? I know that you've got the shop open in your space. So mm-hmm. how's that going? So much is going on right now. <laughs> so much is going on. <laughs> I, I actually took 10 days off over the holidays, um, which is the first holiday that I've had in forever, um, where I didn't go anywhere or really do anything. You know, I checked a few emails, but that was about it. And uh, I, took a, I took a bath every day, took a nap every day. Um, you know, really just tried to sink into that. I read a, a bunch and stuff like that. And uh, I went from feeling exhausted from having reopened the store and sort of run my life through the fall to just feeling tired. So I feel like that's a major win, right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you know, um, the, store is, the store is going good. It's, uh, you know, it reopened in a different neighborhood and I'm still wrangling with, with that, you know, uh, a lot of the same clients, of course, but like lots of different people. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that's been sort of challenging me about it lately is trying to account for theft as part of the process. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, it's, uh, there's almost every retailer tells me and knows it's just a part of the deal. But in the old location, the combination of the size of the store and its location really kind of minimized that stuff. Um, you know, whereas now it's definitely a thing that paying a lot of attention to. And, you know, I feel a bit like it's kind of a metaphor. I mean, it's obviously a literal problem, but like I kind of am viewing it a bit metaphorically for like how I'm doing that longer term planning that both of you guys are talking about. Right. You know, I want to, I don't want to be tired. I don't want to get back to being exhausted. I don't want to, you know, feel like I'm endlessly running around from thing to thing and that, you know, I can't kind of get ahead of the arc and and so on. And so, you know, really looking at like what's making sense in terms of my, my energy and my attention, you know, I absolutely love having the studio. Uh, You know, I have this sort of private studio space, which is, uh, you know, beautiful. It's like 300 square feet. It's got a lovely south facing window and high ceilings and it's a five minute walk from my house. So I basically have no excuse to not come and paint and draw and, you know, come see clients here and, and so on. It's just, you know, really welcoming and lovely. Um, you know, and just sort of like looking at where, where are those things that are, that are sort of stealing my energy, that are stealing my attention where are those things where I'm not enthused to show up about them, you know, and you know, where are those things or what, what's getting in the way of the things that I'm saying I'm going to be doing, you know, like painting every day or whatever, what's actually interfering with that. And what can I do to uh, adjust that? You know, where, where do I make that space emotionally more than any other way? Cause practically the time is there, but emotionally it's not always there to you know continue to work on my next book to you know wrap up this this bacon wizard breakfast oracle that i'm working on um you know like all those things right they're all kind of uh have drag on them from sort of the, the tensions in the system and you know i was talking before we uh before we got on the line here about how i sort of rolled back my coffee consumption from like ridiculous levels of caffeine and sugar to sort of a manageable level And, you know, I don't want to go back into that sort of space where it's overdrive and you're always kind of pushing, pushing, pushing. It's like, it's not the kind of space I want to be living in. Um, So, yeah, so I'm just being really mindful of what I'm doing with my time and where I'm putting my energy and what are the actual returns, you know, like not, 
uh, I mean, certainly financial, um, but also sort of emotionally and on other levels, because, you know, sometimes there's those things that seem like a great idea, but the returns are not what you, what you thought you would get from them in the end, right? And they end up being, a, well, to be honest, a fucking hassle. And it's like, man, why did I do this? How do I learn not to do stuff like this again? So, you know, yeah. I've, I've thought so much about this in the last couple of years. I mean, you know, in part because, you know, the physical stuff has kind of changed my bandwidth in a lot of ways. But, you know, I mean, I would say up until about a year, a year and a half ago with the business stuff, you know, I was at a point where I was constantly booked like nine to 12 months out. Calendar was not just full. It was, it was kind of over capacity in a lot of ways. And it's interesting because I think to a lot of people that, that looked like success, you know, I mean, every spot filled booked forever and ever and ever lots of money. And it was, it was, it was fine until it wasn't, you know? And, and then when I started to deal with some of this body stuff and would have to kind of shift stuff around in the schedule, I'm like, this is fucking impossible. I've got a 12 month calendar. How the fuck do I move these people around without causing some ridiculous cascade that goes for three months and then all of a sudden, this thing that I, I really worked hard to accomplish and make happen, it's like, no, I, I hate this. This is, I, this, I can't do this. I, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, and really taking a lot of steps in the last couple of years to just, I think for me, it was about redefining, like you said, what's important, what the returns are, what makes sense, what success looks like, and just deciding that, yeah, I don't, I don't want a calendar that's booked 12 months out. I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be scheduled every single slot of the day. Sometimes I'd like to sleep in or I'd like to spend the morning painting or, you know, whatever it is. And that's been a big, that's been a big thing. And I think in some ways, like I said, I've had to do it because of some of the physical stuff, but um, I, in, in some ways it's been one of the best things, you know, because it really, it, it required me to take a way more conscious look at what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And does this actually make sense? Like, is this the shit you want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and all of a sudden I look down, it's like, oh no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I want to do way less of this and way more of these three or four things, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, I think that's been so much of what the last, especially year and a half for me has been, it's just been kind of remixing all of it and sort of redistributing the weight to, to what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. You know, it's been, it's been a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I made a change when I opened the studio um, coming back from the fire that I only open a month ahead of time, mm, yeah. like a week before the end of the month, usually, you know, because I realized that otherwise you end up with these commitments sort of further afield than, than you can kind of wrangle, right. Or yeah. that are easy to wrangle, you know? And I think that one of the, one of the values to me, you know, and I think for you too, right. Is this sort of, uh, you know, there's this sort of, ostensible freedom with being an an independent person but it's very easy to lose any actual access to that freedom of schedule right yeah you know and to be like oh you know um can i do whatever it's like oh well no i can't i have a day full of clients i can't easily move that you know and instead just sort of um setting up those things so that there's a limit you know and yeah it's great being booked ahead for sure but i don't I don't want to be booked six weeks ahead. I want to be booked yep. two weeks ahead and then be deciding what my next month looks like, depending on opportunities and other things that are going on and, and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, for me, it, it drove the point home when a friend of mine who lives in Florida, she wanted to come in for a visit and she said, well, when are you free? And I looked at the calendar. I'm like 10 months from now. 
right. like what the fuck is this you know it's like it, it doesn't make any sense and and you're right it's, it's that kind of thing and all of a sudden i felt like and it's not that i'm not saying it's the same thing but i felt like you know the person that's working for somebody else that like had already used their vacation time and then wasn't going to be free until next year it's like this this doesn't make sense this isn't this isn't the life that i want to live at this point and, and for years it was fine i loved it and enjoyed it and it was a, you know i kind of thrived in that environment but um I think that's for me why I continue to look at this coherence as a process thing as opposed to some destination. You know, it just, it stopped being coherent and, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that all of us have the freedom to kind of reshuffle the deck as, as we need to. Yeah. I think it, I mean, that's, it sounds like we're all very much in the same place because that's mm-hmm. kind of what I, what I got hit with, with the jewelry is I went from the people buy it at whatever rate they buy it. And then I build according to what they bought. Uh, and then custom work in there and I dropped that and went to like, I'll just offer collections and see if how that goes. And what I found was though, those were fine ways to actually generate enough money for us to get by the time that it takes for me to do what I like in that or what I want to do in that process is so immense Mm -hmm. that even when I wasn't booked forward, even when I was building the collections, it's still like, no, I need, all day, way too many days out of a month to kind of dedicate to this, which is on one level fine because I love the work, but because there's so much, and this is probably true for all three of us, there's so much kind of emotional and magical energy tied into what we're doing that kind of the exhaustion level was just not reasonable. And again, realizing at some point you go, okay, what am I actually interested in? And for me, it's, you know, both me and my allies are kind of fully invested in this kind of transmission to those people that maybe we can help. Um, And it seemed like for a long time that the talismanic work was the best way to do that. And again, I love the whole process of it, but kind of in the last, I guess, like six months, that really shifted to like, no, I really want to be producing books so that that is kind of a wide range thing that can go. And then I want to teach, you know, classes where I can really engage with people because it just, there's no time to do that with the jewelry work that I was doing in a way that I would like to kind of go, okay, this is what's this is how some of this stuff that I want to share works and then let's engage about it so that we can kind of get somebody rolling uh, in a way that I felt like I couldn't before. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, I think that exhaustion piece that that's always the sign, you know, and I think, but I mean, how, how long does it take us, 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 or anybody us to, to catch that, you know, most of the time the solution is more coffee, more sugar, more shit food, more donuts, you know, whatever it is for, you know, however long we can until it, for me anyway, I reached the point that it's like, yeah, more caffeine isn't going to fix this. Like this mm-hmm. is, I'm the, the problem is not, you know, a caffeine deficiency, this is, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever expenditure is happening. It, it's no longer coherent. And it, mm-hmm. so it, it's, it's taking more than it's giving. And yeah, I mean, I think that, that for me is always the sign, whether it's, you know, in a relationship or a business thing or whatever that, yeah, this is something has changed. And so you need to change in response to it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, it, yeah, when you start showing up differently to places, you know, 
it's like that's the problem right you know and that's that's the problem with me sort of you know in the fall where i was just really run down from you know from relationship stuff you know a couple long-term relationships ended for me in the fall and uh you know and from reopening the store which was no small amount of, of work and sort of trying to wrangle that but also in a completely new way that that i would show up and things would just be making me crusty and i'd be like oh man what's up with that and i think that's another sign right when when yep. small things are or sort of if they were singular you know a small thing just irritates you so much you're just like oh it's like oh that's also a good sign where it's like man i just gotta step back from this somehow i gotta change this dynamic because showing up with that energy is not good magically for anything right yeah like, for sure that's not that's not you that that is one of those situations where you can start to influence what's going on with your vibes right and yep. and, and that's not ideal at all right like that's just not helpful so well, and I think too, I think when that exhaustion kicks in at such a deep level, you know, how do you, how do you funnel the energy that you need into the magic? How do you fuel it? There's no fucking fuel there at some point, you know, it's like you can sit in a car with no gas and jam the, the pedal down, but good luck, you know, I mean, it's just, and I think, I think that's the thing. It's yeah. And for me, that was another reason that I wanted to shift things. Cause it's like, if I can't fuel the art and the magic, which really to me are the most important out of any of the things on the, on the list, then what am I doing? You know, it doesn't, if I don't have fuel for that shit, then, then something has gone really seriously sideways for me. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's interesting too, cause it's, it is, you know, we would like to believe and it's that there's kind of like infinite capacity and there just isn't. Yeah. And so at the point that I was working on the book, which is, you know, it's, it's mostly done. It needs a bunch of revision, but, and I realized I couldn't get the space to even do the revision doing the jewelry the way that I was. And there's another three books kind of waiting behind that one that are in process to some degree, you know, they're at their beginning stages. Then it becomes really clear, like, what's more important here? It's like, yes, I can, you know, make another thousand pieces of, of jewelry, which... I know is helpful to people and it's helpful again, financially to me. And I love the process, but this other thing is more important. Mm -hmm. So what's an appropriate kind of feeder to that work. And it's like, well, then I'd rather get kind of more directly involved with the people that are using the material to figure out what's translating and what's not translating so that I can get a clearer transmission. So the jewelry in the books was no longer working but the classes in the book seem like they will. So it's okay. I, I have to let go of that piece for the most part. Uh, and it's not saying it won't come back someday, but uh, there's enough on the table that, that it doesn't work with that, that I had to make that shift. Yeah. You know, there's something we've been talking about teaching some here a bit. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll jump in with one of the questions that somebody posted on uh, somewhere, Facebook, maybe, um, you know, uh, when you're, when you're teaching, what do you, what do you learn from that process? You know, what, what have you learned about yourself from that process? Um, you know, how does teaching or does teaching change the way you think about things or talk about things? You know, what, what, what's that role for you around that stuff? I mean, for me, 
Uh, I haven't done direct teaching since the nineties, uh, except whatever goes on on a small scale, you know, but kind of focused work. So it's interesting. So the prep work for that really gets me clarifying how I think and how I feel about stuff because, uh, you know, my problem is a lack of, <laughs> I could do kind of so much that it's like, okay, but what's a useful, useful collection? What's a useful tool collection? I, I don't want to just go and hit up the hardware store and throw every tool uh, available into the box. Step one, buy a hardware <laughs> store. You know, so yeah, step, which is kind of unfortunately <laughs> not a bad metaphor for how some folks approach all this stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, buy every tool in the hardware store and learn how to use it. It's like, no, <laughs> what we need is we need to get you the little, you know, lunchbox size little kit that has a few things that you can do some stuff with, but that also has to have depth. Um, and so, you know, as I'm kind of the anti-complexity guy, so it's how do you get a kind of coherent little package to use that term? that somebody could either use as part of a larger thing or on its own. And so it really does, for me, it's been super clarifying uh, is what I would say. Yeah. And I think, and I agree with that. So for me, I saw that a lot when I did uh, last year, I think I did, uh, it was like three weeks on hyper sigils, four weeks maybe. And it was interesting. Cause I mean, that's the thing I've done forever and I could talk about it for six months and I didn't want to because I, I don't think I don't think it was necessary. It's like you said. It's like but here's the here's the lunchbox size kit on hyper sigils that also talks about things that a lot of people don't talk about and gives you plenty of room to take this as far as you want for decades into the future, without also simultaneously overwhelming you into thinking, oh fuck, this is such a big thing. How do I? I'm never going to be able to use this, or it's going to take me forever to get this. And I mean, so I think that's 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 one of my main considerations. It's like, what's the, what's the minimum information you need to use this immediately and effectively. And that's what I'll teach, you know, and some things, maybe we circle back some things, maybe we stretch out like the, the divination thing I did last year was six months. And that was, that was a lot. We dug into a ton, but I think that, and the other thing I'm always thinking about is like, how do I teach things in a way that anybody with any kind of magical ecology can make use of this, mm. right? I don't care if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Christian, if you're an atheist, if you're a Satanist, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like I want you to be able to take this and plug it in to your magical ecology and use it. It's not because if you have to adopt mine in order to use it, then for me, I think I failed as a teacher, right? I mean, outside of, you know, teaching traditional practices or whatever, but you know, I, I that's a big thing. So for me, it's always a question of, you know, what, what's actually essential to the practice and what's sort of my own shit that I built around it, either preferences or magical aesthetics or whatever that doesn't really matter to anybody other than me. And, and have I stripped enough of that away so that anybody can take this thing and run with it? That's always, always a, a big consideration for me. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Like there's a practice that I'm teaching in the, in the class that I have coming up that I actually went out to the Salvation Army and bought all new pieces to put together because I could see people getting fixated on the aesthetic that I personally use. Yeah. 
which is really not relevant to the practice. Yeah. So it's like, okay, let's go see what I can pick up for five or 10 bucks that can assemble this structure so that it's not as linked to what's going on on my altar. Cause that's just my artistic yeah. sense and my aesthetic and kind of what me and my spirits have, uh, come together on as a language that works. Right. And that's totally not necessary, but it's what people tend to get hooked on. Well, that's uh, the, uh, the Instagram era, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, so it circles back to the, the originating, uh, thing about the name of this group, right. You know, how do you show Absolutely. Your witch? Stack the skulls. Stack the, the skulls. They are, the witchier you are, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. you know, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But it's like, yeah, the aesthetics, the aesthetics of it are, are, are not super relevant, you know? Yeah, not on a wider level. It's that thing For that sure. I talked about in six ways, right? That there's, I, I think that people, and I used to definitely have this, get super focused on the specific stuff. But the specific stuff is always super context dependent. Mm-hmm. You know, and aesthetic fits in there. And what really is more relevant is what's the general thing that is kind of not necessarily universally applicable, but more universally applicable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, with in in the age where we've got pictures of everything, um, <laughs> you know, it, it definitely can get really hung up that you know you've got to have this thing that looks just like that. Well, and just because it looks good doesn't mean that it's alive, right? For sure. That's the other piece, you know? Yes. I mean, I think that, you know, there are lots of things that, that I run across and, <laughs> you know, not, not that, not that I have to feel anything from everything, but like, I'm like, oh, it doesn't, I don't, I don't feel any feedback from this at all. And maybe the thing that's there just doesn't want anything to do with me. It's possible. Um, but maybe it's just sort of, they've there's a failure to make that connection right to something deeper right. because because the the work itself which supports that connection is is not strong but the emphasis on all those other things is you know yeah i think that's the thing to me the the metric is does this thing can you feel it in your bones can you feel it in your animal body if so then who gives a fuck what it looks like it doesn't matter if it if it would make a great instagram photo you know that mm. to me that's that's the wrong metric for shit like that you know i mean i listen i love instagram photos but in terms of magic who cares <laughs> totally who cares? it's just it's irrelevant exactly and it's also funny because people get hung up i think and again i know that i did this when i started out but you get hung up on things that are again kind of specific so my current shop is filled with like halved pieces of fruit with tea lights burning on it I could make up this whole story about why this is the way to do this. And it's like, this is just what's going on this week. I don't really know why it's the thing that felt totally right. Like I cut something in half and went, Oh man, that really needs candles on it. And I could feel it and it works, you know? Um, And it's also the same thing. Like, yeah, I mean, there's so much weird shit in here right now because I think of who's kind of hanging out for the class that is really aesthetically wrong if we're looking at it from <laughs> that or even my normal thing. I've got all of this beautiful stuff and the monster energies and the Red Bulls and shit. It's like, what the fuck? Uh, 
old candy canes that I stole from the gym after Christmas, you know, <laughs> uh, but there's people who like those. I'm not going to buy them if I can have them. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think, you know, I think, I think people even do the same thing. Like when, when I was teaching the, the sigils course, it's one of the main reasons that I didn't take any pictures of the sigils that I drew because then suddenly people think, Oh, well, that's what a sigil should look like. No, this is, this is what they currently look like. Over the last 30 years, they've looked a million different <laughs> All sorts ways. Of shit. Yeah, I mean, the first time they looked exactly like the, the Pete Carroll sigils in his book. You know, it's like, and I think that's the thing. It's, I, I, and I get it. And I, I think that people, I think it's so easy to fall into that subconsciously even. You know, it's not so much let me copy Fabeku's sigil. It's or let me copy Aiden's altar. It's, oh, well, this is, this is somebody who knows what they're doing. And so this is what it should look like. So let me try to make it look like that and then it, it great so then your brain says okay good job you drew a sigil that looks like a sigil and then it doesn't do shit because like you said andrew it's not alive it's this it's a thing that looks like a thing but it's not the thing or you end up in a cycle you know one of the things that i've learned from teaching um or been really clear about going into teaching and i've sort of learned how to uh, make that happen is you know i started out in a school of thought that said only the uh, only the hammer from the top of Mount Everest hardware store was acceptable, right? Yeah. And it's like, and and by the way, only on the the third full moon of the, <laughs> of the year, and you know, like, oh, and if it's on Monkey Monday, Island, right? He, he, exactly. <laughs> not not the usual Everest, the secret Everest in, inside the, the secret Hollow Earth, Everest inside Monkey inside, Island, which is, which is inside the Hollow Earth. So you got to get in the Hollow Earth. You got to find the doppelganger, uh, you know. Uh, Himalayan mountains, <laughs> and then you got to find the hardware store, and you better bring their currency because they don't accept ours. Um, whereas, you know, every, every town's got a hardware store, right? Yeah. And you, what you find there is great. You know, it's it's totally acceptable. And if you want or need something else, you know, there's a point at which that that becomes aesthetic and personal taste, which is great. And if it helps you get in the mood, that's fantastic. You know, and if it helps you feel aligned. Or if a spirit you have, you know, there are times where I'm out and, you know, somebody, somebody taps on my shoulder and says, hey, I want that. You know, I bought, uh, Marcus McCoy makes, uh, makes these copper harvesting knives, right? And as soon as I saw one of those, one of my guides was just like, that is exactly the knife that I want you to take when we go do stuff. And I'm like, perfect. And they're like, but not with that thing on it. Because there's like a, a triple spiral or whatever on it. So I was like, all right, so I message markers right away. I'm like, hey, can I get one of these? He's like, of course, you know, but, but that's specific, right? And that's specific to yes. that relationship. That is not universal, right? And, you know, you may find it that, that you do want or need something like that, but you may never need it or it may not fit your aesthetic. And that's awesome too. It's completely acceptable, right? Totally. For, for me, I, I love, and maybe this is part of the art stuff or, or not, maybe it's just a, a personality thing, but like, I love shit like that. And I love to collect shit like that. And I love the, you know, the fancy silver pens for the sigils. And, and so there's, you know, I don't, I don't make any apology for that, but one of the best things I did maybe 10 years ago was essentially put all of that stuff away and say, okay, I'm doing sigils on white paper with a blue ballpoint pen, which I hate and never use. Or I'm doing, you know, candle magic with, you know, a bag of, you know, dollar candles from the dollar store or whatever. And part of that was to see, does this actually matter? I mean, it, it, it matters to me, but does this actually matter in any wider sense? And it doesn't. 
It really doesn't. That's the thing. What do you need for sigil magic? You need something to write within a piece of paper. That's all you need. That's it. You know, if you yep. want to get the fancy black paper and the pen, cool, do it. But I think it's a trap when we get stuck into thinking, I have to have this. I have to have this. Because that, that to me doesn't, it just doesn't seem true. Yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, that, that's where one of those pieces around, you definitely don't have to have it. And I also look to pursue my joy around it. Yeah, absolutely. I found absolutely these, on uh, that. Yeah. Yes. I found these uh, uh, nib pens at the art supply store. They're called preppy pens. And they come in different different sizes, but they're uh, you know they're refillable with a cartridge, and they're I, know, I think I paid like seven dollars for it, you know. And I've bought a lot of other much more expensive you know fountain pens and whatever. And these ones, the feel of them, the flow of them, they come in different colors, you know. The the outsides are color coded, and they're just such a delight, you know. And so every time I every time I swing by the art store now, I buy another one. Cause there's somewhere in my life where one of those doesn't live regularly. And I was just I'm like, <laughs> why am I drawing with this crappy pen when I could be drawing with this other nice one that I like? And there's a pleasure in that. But again, that's so personal, right? That's not, yeah. it, it, it adds something to the magic if I'm doing magic, but it's also an active uh, source of joy for me, which I think is, is also a super valid reason for things, especially if we don't sort of, you know, say that that actually, matters in the end on any real big scale you know well it's like for me so that's so as an example i just made this batch of uh lunar talismans a couple months ago and i mean i went all out like i i had fossil dugong ribs i had literally a lunar meteorite all kinds of shit in there and i spent forever finding the stuff and it's not that i had to i mean again like you said it adds something i mean there's clearly something added to these pieces because of what's in them but part of it is I look at it as, as a piece of art, you know, it's like I'm putting the best stuff I can and there's enormous joy for me in grinding up a lunar meteorite or, you know, fossil cave bear toe or, you know, whatever. But the reality is, you know, could I have gotten a stone from the ocean and made a lunar talisman? Sure, of course. But so the, I think it is that weird thing. It's, I don't think it's good to say it doesn't matter because it does matter, but it's not essential. And to yeah. me, there's right. The, and I think the problem is then if people look at it and say, well, I can't make a lunar talisman unless I have a lunar meteorite. That's bullshit. That's complete bullshit. You know, I do. Yeah. I love it. I love putting those pieces together in a way that's artful and beautiful and, and whatever. But you don't have to do that. Right. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. And it, 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 it part of it comes out of, I think, kind of. there's a whole kind of literature that kind of says that this has to be done this way. Right. And we see this in not just magic, but it's extremely prevalent in magic. Um, and that's kind of very weird to me as somebody who came from this kind of chaos magic background, mm -hmm. even though I kind of feel like I've in many ways moved away from that into something else. That's my own thing. That's not consciously related to it, but it was born there, you know, was that process of, well, what, what does this do? What's, what's this piece of work do? What are, what are the elements that actually matter here? Uh, and then realizing that, yeah, there's kind of like, there's stuff that really kind of triggers something in me that is kind of like optimization of stuff. Uh, like, yeah, there's particular, you know, if I got the hit that I needed to ride the bike up 
into South Mountain to collect dirt from there for something, I'm going to go do that because that's legit. But it may not need to be dirt from there to do that work. That doesn't mean you got to come out here and go up to South Mountain, which is how a lot of stuff's kind of written. Um, and I think that that's, it really kind of has messed up a lot of folks because they do believe that if I can't have a beeswax candle to do this piece of work, then I can't do this piece of work. Right. Uh, you know. I think that for me, I think that's probably the, the best thing that I got out of the chaos magic stuff. You know, I mean, when you're doing, when you're doing magic with silly putty and bones from chicken wings, you know, you can't really get too precious about, <laughs> exactly. you know, this is essential for magic. It's like, listen, really? I mean, it's just, and for me, that, that really was the best thing. Cause I, I think before that, I think I was fairly precious about it, or I thought it had to be this or had to be that. And there were some things I just didn't have the money to get, or I didn't have the, the resources for or whatever it was. And I thought, well, I just can't do that. And then suddenly chaos magic was like, well, actually, you know, there's, there's other ways you can do shit. And for me, that was, that was a huge thing, a huge thing. Absolutely. And I remember like, you know, I, I've had a lot of, from the talismanic stuff, I would get people and it's lovely that somebody recognizes that like the work that you do is potent, you know, mm -hmm. but I would get folks from places in the world that what I charge for a piece of jewelry is like a year's work yeah, yeah. going like, I really want to do this. How do I, and I would be like, don't. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're targeting a specific tree that is not necessary. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's, this is, it's just not necessary. Yeah. Um, and again, it's like, sure. If you've got the ability, I, I do this thing too. There's things that I have in here that I paid crazy money for because they really speak to me and I was in a position to do it. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it was a stretch and sometimes that stretch was part of it. Right. Uh, it's not like that's not a thing either, but again, it doesn't, uh, one of the things that we know, like, again, like teaching the protection stuff for the class is like, it's all kitchen herbs. It's like, there's no, it's partially for that. It's like, I don't know where you are. I've got people from different parts of the world. I'm not gonna, I might suggest that you get some Aubrey Camino if you can, because hmm. it works, but it's not critical. Yeah. 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 I think, I think it's always fascinating, right? Like that kind of stuff. And I, I think that it also becomes this matter of like, what, what do you have? What can you connect with? Right. And you know, and it's different, it's different depending on which practice is right. Like in the Orisha stuff, right. It's the, the specific plants are super specific, right? Like there's not a, there's no, there's no negotiating that beyond a certain point. Like there's a little wiggle room, but there's not a ton of wiggle room, right? It's just like, okay, totally. we're going to do this. Therefore we need these things. And if you don't have them, I'm not exactly sure what we do. Right. Like, you know, but outside of like specific traditions, there's, there's always those things. Right. You know, and I think that, and it also becomes this question of like, what do you have? Um, what do you have a dynamic and living connection with? Right. Like I just got, back in after sort of struggling to find a, a source for them for a while, uh, Rose of Jericho, which is one of my all time favorites. Right. And, you know, I had a Rose of Jericho at the store that I'd had 
almost the entire time that the store had been open, I think, you know, and mm -hmm. like it, it was a very dynamic and living connection and it had all sorts of things that I had given it over time and worked with it in a lot of ways. And it just wasn't available. And, you know, because getting stuff in Canada is complicated sometimes. And so when I finally found them, I'm like, great. So now, now, now not only is, is there, are they available in the store, which is lovely, but even more so for me, I can, I can now reconnect with that plant and start to have that process again through right. the direct connection. Right. You know, but it's like that, that also comes out of, you know, years of interaction and, and perhaps some natural affinity in some way or another. Right. Um, but does everybody else need to like not do financial magic if they don't find a rose of Jericho? Of course not. Right. right. You know, like you right. said, there, there's a billion other bits and pieces. Are they really cool? Well, yeah, they are really cool, but also. <laughs> totally. Well, it's like, you know, I've, I've worked with Alice wood for, I don't know, 15, 16 years. It's one of the, one of the plants I work with a ton and have worked with it in all kinds of ways to the point that, you know, I've got this like grimoire of Alice wood magic. And, you know, my question is, well, if I give that grimoire to you, is it going to work? Probably not, at least probably not in the same way, because either you don't have a relationship with the plant or you don't have the same kind of relationship with the plant. And to me, not better or worse, but it's just different. And to me, I assume that what the plant, and I think this is, this is my kind of baseline assumption for a lot of this shit, is that what the plant has given me is about the dynamic that I have with that plant. Not, not that I'm channeling some universal grimoire of aloeswood magic that anybody i don't i don't that doesn't make sense to me i don't i don't think that's a real thing you know and and i again i think and that's why i haven't talked to, some people have asked about it because i mentioned it in passing and i haven't talked a lot about it because i have no idea if it's going to work the same for anybody and aloeswood is kind of expensive and not always easy to get and you know whatever and i think it it gives people the wrong impression that, you know, in order to do this, I need this plant or I need this. And I don't think that's true. My thing is find the relationship that you have that lets you do a similar thing that probably doesn't have shit to do with Aloe's wood. You know, maybe it's Abre Camino, maybe it's Rosa Jericho, whatever, whatever it is, you know. And I, I wish more people would talk about their practices that way instead of, you know, here's the universal gospel of aloe's wood. It's like, fuck off with that. That's not real. Well, it's like and when that's... people talk about the Orishas, right? They, they come into the store sometimes and they're like, I need a, I need no shun candle because, because I need to attract some love in my life. And I'm like, maybe, right? Yeah. But when, when, when we're, you know, initi for initiated practitioners, um, and I think that for people who practice in a traditional way, the reality is, is although... Orishas have a certain affinity to certain kinds of things. The reality is, is that if you're in good with Shango, you can fix your money, can fix your health, yes. can fix your, your, your whatever, right? Like the, the reality is, is at a certain point, um, you know, we, we, it's like having a good friend whose skill is not in, you know, helping you hang drywall, but they're going to come and help you hang drywall because because they love you and they're like, sure, dude, I'll do that. That's fine. We can do that. They're, 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 these energies can work with us, uh, you know, in a, in a broad sense of a way, especially and probably only if we've taken that time to build a deep and lasting connection with them. Mm -hmm. 
and probably that rests on some kind of affinity that is hard to trace and makes it not necessarily universal right for me one of the local plants is burdock right and it's Mm. like what what do i what do i need anything i'm just like all right hey burdock you got a thing for this like yeah just just trim this little bit off the edge of the leaf and do blah 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 with it and it's gonna like fix this for him like great like oh you know what go dig up the whole root you know whatever and it's like but on the outside of the root not the inside of the root there becomes a sort of like myriad of applications which again aren't necessarily universal or maybe they are it's hard to say but they don't seem universal but they come out of that direct relational experience of it you know i i wish that was a point that was talked about more in the occult circles right because every day you see posts you know, what's the best herb for love? What's the best herb for magic? What's the, what's the best spirit for money? It's like, fuck. I mean, I get it. But to me, that's the wrong question. Anytime people ask that, my question back is, who do you have a relationship with? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the answer to that. Not some random spirit or plant or stone or whatever that knows fuck all about you and what you're doing. Go to the spirits, the people you have relationships with. And I think, I think, I don't, I don't know how this, how this happened, but this this falling into this trap of of kind of treating spirits or what any kind of spirit is a sort of one hit wonder right it's a this is a lover this is a, a it's just like really is that it doesn't make sense to me and i think that i i just wonder how different people's magic would look both in terms of the practice and the results if this relationship piece were more front and center you know if it wasn't this this weird utilitarian one note, this spirit does this, like Oshuna's for love. It's like, come on, like it, that, that doesn't seem real, you know, but it seems like such a, such a pervasive perspective on things. It, it's, and, and listen, I mean, I, I fell into the same shit for a long time. I'm not, I'm not being critical of anything that I haven't been guilty of myself, but yeah, it just, it just seems to be such a big point that I, it just isn't discussed enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, I've been thinking about this in a particular context, and I made a joke to Chao An Ku, um, saying that like there's a way that kind of people treat kind of the name spirits kind of like Tinder, uh, like we're just going to look up and find somebody local that's interested in getting down, right? But usually they're not doing that to just get down; they're doing that because they want something deeper, right? Uh, on the spirit side. I don't know what goes on on the Tinder side, but um, I understand that that's a misapplication of Tinder. Um, but uh, every and I think it's interesting. Tinder is a misapplication. Of Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I, I'm, I'm out of those games uh, largely. So, and one of the things that came up is is then I had this. Uh, I was one of my trance things that happened a few days after that. I was thinking about that comment and. Uh, I got this great vision. I was like, okay, so imagine that there's like in the, in North America, let's just say like in North America where the three of us are, that there's like a hundred thousand potential partners for us. Right. That would, that would suit us each, each of us, you know, but what most, what ends up happening is that we've got the names and the photo of like 150 of them. And so everybody wants to like figure out which of those 150 <laughs> would be a good partner. Yep. And to me, the thing is so much more this wide open of going, no, I want to connect to kind of the currents around me and the allies around me. And then I want to work with them. 
uh, I want to develop those relationships through the things that I've learned work for me to do that. Um, and then why would I go outside of that to try and get something done? You know, maybe if I had to, if that was what I, what I was guided to, but I'm certainly not going to go, go hunt for that. I'm much more likely to come in here and go, Hey, <laughs> fruit and candles. Can we do this? <laughs> well, that was a lot of what I'll buy you more. I'll buy you more energy drinks. I promise. <laughs> that was a lot of the, right uh, <laughs> the magic replace course I taught, right? Which is, and, and I'm going to be reteaching again this spring, right? You know, it's that, it's that energy of like, all right, either um, where, where, where do those entities that you're connected to show up in your environment or what in your environment shows up for you and how do you start to build that, right? And it's just such a, such a different approach, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things that I, that I had to remind people taking that class was, was like, like, look, identify the plant. Great. Like, please make sure it's not secretly poison. You know, don't pick, you know, <laughs> poison ivy by mistake and fall in love with it and take a bath in it. Right. And then like write me angry emails, but also don't research it. Right. Like it's not yeah. about researching yes. it. Right. At some point, you know, and like just enough to make sure that you're safe and that you're not like, you know, Oh yeah, yeah these berries look delicious, you know? And then all of a sudden, eh. but allow that to ex expand right and a lot working to allow that expansion to happen that's the actual work of becoming a better magician right yes it's not necessarily just about knowledge and knowledge is lovely you know and corroboration feels great when you're like wow i really felt that this plant was good for this and then you google it and you know 10 people say it's good for that you're like oh it's great i'm, I'm making a genuine connection feels great right and, and we may need some of that some of the time but also just being open and being connected in that sort of mysterious way. I think that's also really crucial to this process. I totally agree. It's like, you know, when people ask me, you know, how do I get to know this plant or how do I get to know this stone? That's the first thing I say, don't Google it. Like, don't look up what, you know, Wikipedia says this, it's unnecessary, right? To me, if you want to get to know a stone, if you want to research something, research its geology, research its mineralogy, but then sit with it, hang out with it just like you would a human being. Yeah. Right. Like if I want to get to know Andrew, I'm not going to Google Andrew and read a bunch of shit on the internet. I'm just going to, we're going to hang out. Yeah. I'm going to ask you what you like. I'm going to pay attention to the music you listen to. I'm going to see what you eat. Like I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to see how I feel when I'm around you. That's how you get to know shit. Yes. You know, and, and I, I wish there was. Is the key to Tinder is, or maybe Tinder. <laughs> certainly people too, right? People are like, how do you have success in this thing? I'm like that, right? Like, you know, if you, if you need somebody and you're actually interested in them, other than just for something super transitory, actually do those things too, right? Because yeah. people yeah, are like, right. oh, I don't know what to do. I'm like, find out about that person. Be curious, right? Yeah. You know? It is yeah, to off, but <laughs> no, I no, I think I I mean at the end of the day, I agree. I think that the the one of the best muscles to build as a magician is relationship building skills. That's it. You know, you don't have to buy a million books. You don't have to take a million courses. You don't have to Google a bunch of shit. Yeah. Just build a relationship with stones or plants or spirits the same way you would with people. It's the same shit. It's the same shit. And it's crazy because it's so common. It, all of this stuff is really common everywhere, you know. And, and I, I saw this recently and I didn't respond to it, though I probably should have. But somebody asked, like, so how do you get in? How, what, where can I learn about connecting to kind of desert spirits? It's like, 
you know, the only way that I really know is you get into that environment, whether this is even some, if you live near one, you can do that, but you can do this as kind of, you know, trancey stuff or daydreamy stuff um, of somehow connect to that space and see what develops, you know, mm-hmm. see who you find, see who rises up and see uh, what happens. Uh, it's funny though, because I think, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I, everybody knows I'm a total gym rat, but I see this all the time in kind of the, conversations about that that somebody there's all somebody will see somebody deadlifting a world record and go their form is wrong and you go that guy's the strongest in that move in the world ever how is his form wrong it worked (laughs) that was the goal his goal has nothing to do with the thing you're talking about his goal was to pick up a thousand and eight pounds and stand up with it so by definition he did it right (laughs) you know and i think this goes on in magic too all the time and you know i think to me the same the same at least for me the same idea applies in figuring out what to work with magically as it does hanging out with people like when i'm around people i pay attention to how my animal body feels. Is there, is there a pull? Is there, a, am I drawn to that person in whatever way as a friend? What, it doesn't matter, whatever it is. It's the same when I'm sitting with plants. Like I feel a ping toward this plant. I don't know this plant, but there's a pull. So I want to, I want to know this plant more, this stone or this place or this river or, you know, that, that to me has guided so much of, of my practice, you know, and again, it's the same with people. If I spot somebody and there's a pull, then I'm curious about them and I want to know more about them, whether it's as a friend or a part, whatever, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. But, uh, and I, to me, that's a decidedly different thing than Googling, you know, which plants work money magic. You know, to me, I, it feels like we're coming at opposite angles. It, 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 right. I mean, you know, clearly both can work, but uh, for me, it's that, that pool is everything. And if I don't feel it, I don't give a fuck who told me this plant is great for money magic. If there's not that pool there, I, I'm not into it. You know, I'll, I'll keep looking until I feel it. Well, I yeah. think that it, it's kind of like brings me to something that I, I've been thinking about a lot lately, and this might be the perfect place to bring it up. You know, we've all been in magic for like a long time, right? So, you know, I just sound like an old person because I'm an old person. You know, stuff comes and goes and, and people are like, you know, all about this or all about that. And I've been watching... Um, a sort of big surge of witchcraft and witchy energy going on, you know, around the store, in culture, in my social medias and stuff like that. And, you know, whenever I see a big sort of movement into something, I'm always like, that's, that's really interesting. What is, what is going on? What's motivating that? How is that serving people? You know, I'm always like genuinely curious about that. Right. And, and supportive of it. Um, but I also wonder, because I understand how these things work, what's going to happen next, right? Because, <laughs> right. you know, this, this idea that, and, and maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe I'm just old and curmudgeonly, in which case, you know, delete this episode and please let's never speak of it again. <laughs> but, but often what happens is, you know, there's this sort of big sway into a thing and then a bunch of people find uh, a, a deep and lasting affinity with it, you know, and, and I'm really curious where those people are going to be in 10 or 15 years and what I'm going to get to learn from, from their journey through this stuff as they sort of, you know, have a depth of, of practice under their belt, you know, in the same way that I, 
I learn now from those people who've already been doing these things for a stretch of time and, and have that. Um, but I'm also curious about where those people who were looking for something um, and either they found it and move on or they were looking for something else and it wasn't here and then they move on, you know? Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about somewhere, Aiden said something earlier about like, you know, they're actually looking for something deeper, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've been really noticing, which I find fascinating, um, is that I see a lot of people who've been sort of all in on the witchy front over the last you know year, a couple of years, starting to their 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 posts and maybe their magic, you know, I don't know what they're doing privately, but certainly, you know, their public stuff, it's starting to take on a much more um explicitly therapeutic kind mm. of approach, right? Mm. You know, there's a lot more uh people talking about trauma, dealing with trauma. There's a lot more people sort of leaning, you know, it's not not abandoning the magic side of it, but leaning into stuff where it's like, uh, you know, where that the relationship that they're trying to sort out the most is ultimately that relationship with themselves, right? Mm. And I mean, I think that's always smart. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's a great way to, it's a great thing to get into around doing magic in general. Certainly, you know, it was a, a you know a good chunk of my practice at one point to sort of do therapy as a way of freeing myself in order to, and healing myself in order to, you know, I mean, not just be a better magician, but certainly be better at magic and better in my relationships and all those things. But I'm curious if you've seen that or if you've seen other things, like what do you think around that sort of kind of stuff? I know I just said a million things, but responses please <laughs> i mean i see that i think that i think that we are for whatever reason i mean we've got this crazy thanks to social media and kind of the news cycle and everything else like we have this like much clearer view if you're able to kind of step back from it that there's really multiple ways of being in this world that are not really congruent right um and I, when, when I was growing up, there was a lot of uh, messaging that in the end, everybody wants the same thing, right? And that's not what I see now. <laughs> I see, no, we want very different things and we are, are not supportive of the other. And I think that this is kind of that, I think it is kind of the evolution of kind of that trauma. Uh, and so I think that there's a lot of that out there and there's maybe just more, maybe it's gotten to the point where it's so overt that more people are willing to do that work. Uh, cause I definitely get fed tons and tons of that work from my allies, both for me and then to share with people, you know, it's an interesting thing. Um, as to the, I think that the, yeah, again, I think that the media cycling is really interesting around magic. Um, I just think it's fascinating because uh, there are those who totally freak out every time. And I always remember there's a line from uh, Quadrophenia by The Who, so a very old record at this point, where uh, he says, uh, you know, sadly ecstatic that your heroes are news. 
<laughs> and I see that constantly around the witchcraft stuff in the last couple of years. Like people are like, yay, we got it on TV. And oh my God, it's so bad. It's like, yeah, <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> but don't trip. It's just, this is what goes on. <laughs> You know. Well, it was it was like what was it last week or the week before that that bullshit article? I think it was in the Independent that some journalist wrote like, "Oh, I tried magic for a week and it doesn't work," and everybody was so upset about it. And I get it. I mean, it was a bullshit article, but I mean, to me, it was just kind of like, and like, who who cares? I mean, I get it. It was a shitty thing to publish, but does this do anything to magic? Does this do anything to people who actually give a fuck about it that are that are seriously interested in it? I mean, it was. Mm-hmm. It was a not, I mean, she was wearing some, you know, witches, you know, like a Halloween costume in the photo. Like, what, what did you think the piece was going to be? It was bullshit from, from the beginning. And, you know, magic has been around way before this and it's going to exist way after this. And I don't know. I don't know if it's just a function of, like you said, getting older or, or just having limited bandwidth. But I didn't, I didn't really get the upset about it, you know? I mean, which isn't to say people shouldn't be upset. But for me, it was just like, okay, next. I mean, it was... It was nonsense. Who cares? You know. Well, it's like Rumi says, right? You know, the real work is done by somebody outside digging in the dirt, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like you know, there's all this sort of other bits and pieces and trappings, and maybe they're maybe they're important. Maybe they're part of your journey. Maybe you know, maybe media representation for who you are is important for any number of reasons. Yeah. Um, but also, kind of, you know, it's like that piece. A uh, piece I shared this week from. I think we all shared it from Jason Miller, right? You know, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, just just do the work. It doesn't matter if you feel like it or don't feel like it. If you're committed to a relationship with a spirit or doing magic or, you know, I remember this when I used to do uh, Libra Resh, right? You know, the sort of mm-hmm. four times a day solar adoration that Crowley and his various sort of uh, descendants, you know, propose, right? Speaking of finding the hammer at the top of the Himalayan mountains, right? It's like <laughs> trying to do something four times a day at the four quarters of the day, every day indefinitely. It's, it's, it's overly complicated. Um, not, I'm not sure that it's actually necessary at the end of the day. It, it, it can be, but it's, yeah. But it's like, you know, so many times I just never felt like it, right? It's like, mm-hmm. and, and not to say that I did it 100% because I didn't. Like I really literally over two years, maybe I did two months, a hundred percent of that at the peak of it. Cause it's really difficult, mm. but the successes that I had, um, and that's sort of 75% or 80%, which is more like the average of what I was accomplishing came because I was like, I don't feel like it, but I got to do it. So let's do it. You know? And even at one point I remember like talking to a friend of mine about it. He's like, well, you know, some traditions you like, yell at your gods to try and call them down so maybe just you know whatever i just remember like reciting it one day and just every second word was was fuck this and fuck that and fuck you fucking sick of being here and this whole thing and you know and i broke through something and, and you know and it got better but you know yeah it's like it, it's it's complicated the relationship to these things you know yeah and i think that to me is what's interesting about and going back to what we're talking about with representation and news cycles and all of that, the, the conversation in the last handful of years about the whole, you know, witches of Instagram stuff. And I have very mixed feelings about it. And at the end of the day, who gives a fuck what my feelings are about it. But it, it, like all of the conversations about how this is, this has turned magic into some kind of joke. It's like, no, it hasn't. 
This hasn't this hasn't done shit to magic. I don't Magic's always to me. <laughs> Yes. Yes. magic the joke that gets you killed uh, that's the actual history of it right yeah, so yeah the fact that it's on tv and they aren't burning those people yeah i mean i think that's I think positive representation for sure and you know, I think, my thing is it's like this is this has been around forever and you know if if the witches of instagram thing if Five percent of the people that fall into that end up being solid practitioners. I think that's fucking rad, and I don't really give a shit about the other ninety-five percent. That's not. It doesn't feel like my problem to care about. You know, sure. I think that I think magic will filter those people out over time. And I guess I don't know. I mean, again, I I, I get it because I, I do think. I mean, like we talked about in the beginning, I think it's problematic. It gives people the sense that you know magic has to be this photogenic, heavily filtered you know photograph of whatever and that's nonsense but i don't know i i guess i, I just feel like magic is bigger than that i don't i don't really sweat shit like that and, and even if i find it personally annoying which i do but yeah. um, well i feel like it's you know sometimes sometimes i think it's helpful to like have the same conversation in a different context right you know so when i was 16 i tried it being goth for a week <laughs> seven days that was that was as long as i lasted and yeah. i was and i realized although i because and, and i tried it because i hung out with all these goths right <clears throat> you know i was like oh well this is kind of fun and you know could dye my hair black and like put it up like robert smith and whatever right and like you know it's pretty amusing maybe i'll show some pictures sometime but um but what i realized was no 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 I should actually, I should actually have a mohawk, and, and I'm way more punk rock than, than I am goth. And this doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that week of trying it out, too, right? Like I tried it out for a week, and I learned something very important. Hey, this isn't for me. I'm just going to keep rolling. And you know, I think that, you know, like like all of us, right? Like I, you know, I mean, I started out like uh, people today might call it grimoire focused, but you know, certainly like traditional ceremonial magic and Crowley and all that stuff. And I moved into other things and moved into other things. And that's, that's fantastic. Right. Because that's the way it goes. Right. That's, that is, if you happen to find a thing that's your lifelong practice, lovely. Um, you know, if you don't find what you're looking for, or hopefully maybe more to the point, it grows and evolves as you grow and evolve as a person. Well then just keep evolving. Right doesn't matter like there's no shame in any of that yeah yeah i think too it's interesting because I, I i under i have to remember how differently wired people are right because mm. i this is kind of like one of the things that's always blown my mind around the kind of magical world and this is primarily around the kind of uh wicca end of things is where i've seen it and this is not to bash on that at all it's just not my thing is I was I have always been incredibly confused at kind of the let's get whatever our angle is represented accurately according to some specific definition so that it's acceptable to people. Mm-hmm. And you go, this doesn't work anywhere. Yeah. Right. This hasn't worked for, yes, you could end up at the big table of, of religions. It doesn't even work there. Right. Like, Look at America now and how acceptable Muslim religion is right now, right? So why is this a target? I've never got it. Um, 
because to me it's so individual. It's like, what is your, it goes back to that thing. What is your relationship to this process, to these powers, to these entities or to these deities? If you do deity work, that's what's relevant. And everything else is kind of out of your control anyway. Like well, you might, you know, you know, go ahead. Says, says the man who lives in a small house with a bunch of animals at the uh, edge of America, right? That's true. You know? <laughs> I mean, I think, I, I wonder, were you more community and sort of socially minded and less sort of, you know, I don't know, hermetics, like hermit-like is, is the right word, but around your practice, if that would change how you felt about it. You know, it's interesting because I spent a lot of time living in cities and probably the most overt I've ever been was living in San Francisco. Um, but this was also a different time and it is one of the downsides of the social media thing that I definitely see is, um, in the eighties and the er earliest nineties, really before pictures happened on the internet, freaky concept for some people that are not as old as we are. Um, it was not a thing. Uh, you know, I hung out with people who were hermetic magicians, who were thelemites, who were various uh orisha mm -hmm. angles santeria practitioners uh wiccans what we would now consider you know traditional witchcraft which basically meant that they really liked paul Husson uh rather than gardner or whatever um and there was no real need to kind of overly categorize things uh that it was way more no, you practice something that means something to you and we should have coffee, you know? And I would, I would like to see more of that than what we see. But even in that context, it's like, I, man, the, the ceremonial people have always despised my approaches. Uh, and that was just kind of became funny. It's like, yeah, well, we're not doing the same thing. That's pretty evident. And so you don't have to like it. I only have to like it. <laughs> Sure, sure. You know, I wonder, I wonder how much of that's a function of, of the, the punk scene on all of us, right? Because I've been the same. I don't give a fuck. I, I do what works for you. It doesn't have to look like what it looks like for me. And I'm, if you're a cool person, I'm cool to hang out. You know, I don't give a fuck if you work with angels or Satan or Jesus or Buddha or it doesn't matter. I don't care. It's, you know, and I guess I've never felt, I've never felt that push to make sure all of our shit looks the same. That's, it's never been something that matters to me. And it also has really never mattered to me if you understand why my shit looks this way. It doesn't, it just, it seems irrelevant in some ways. Yeah. But I get for a lot of people, it's not. That seems like a really important thing. And the differences seem threatening or confusing or whatever. And that's just never something that's registered with me. It doesn't, my brain doesn't work that way, I don't think. Yeah, and I think you've got something there, too, about the punk thing, for me at least, because there weren't enough punks to just hang out with punks mm. um, when I was coming up. So, uh, you know, though my mom flipped out and made me remove one of them. You know, I remember getting both of my ears pierced at like 14, which was just not done where we were. That clearly was not cool. <laughs> Because uh, then how do you determine which ear makes you queer, right? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, so we hung out with everybody that was a little freaky, which was yeah. a really weird population 
like at my high school, the first one, Fabico and I had a brief talk about <laughs> that the first high school that I went to, that freak contingent was kind of like the hippie kids, uh, a couple of goth kids, the drama club, the <laughs> small contingent of like knife fighting behind the school lowriders, uh, a few metalheads and a few, you know, this kid Clint who escaped from Korea, uh, you know, the wrong side of Korea. Um, and so, yeah, it was never, it's just like, are you cool to me? Right. That's all I care about. Yeah. Uh, and that same thing, I, that was my initial kind of approach to magic. And there was a point where that switched where people got really heated. Uh, you know, again, there were people that, told me I was going to hell for doing Libra restaurant or whatever uh, when I was in the OTO. But I never just could take any of that seriously. If only it was so uh, easy to get to hell. <laughs> we could have skipped the whole Monkey Island thing. Right. <laughs> just go read the library and come back. It's like, look at that book. It's got like teeth. Got Let's the... take it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think for me, and it was the same way in my school. I mean, there was literally four or five punk kids that were sort of like a goth punk hybrid or something, but it was, it was just all the, the weirdos hanging out. And for me, I love that. I mean, it was, it, it expanded my, my artistic horizons. It expanded my music. It expanded my sense of people. And I, I guess I've always felt that way largely about, magic stuff. I mean, even, even shit that I'm not really interested in. It's been interesting to, to run into people that, you know, are just rolling on entirely different tracks. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know this idea. We all need to be on the same page that I'm pretending that my track is better than your track. It just, it's the silliest shit. I just don't get it. You know, mm. I just, it, I can't, I can't make sense of that in my head and it doesn't seem to be true at all in practice. I mean, it just seems to be bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe this is a good spot to wrap up today's conversation by saying, hey, folks, go follow it where, you lead, where it leads you. Go get inspired about what you're inspired about. And reach out and share because we're freaking curious about it, even if we're never going <laughs> to do the same thing. Because it's just sure. wonderful, right? You know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Exactly. There's All roads lead to Monkey Island. All roads lead to Monkey Island. And if you find we're interested in, please let us know. It's let us know. Submarine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Aiden, where 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 are you hanging out online these days? Where should people come and connect with you? Um, uh, AidenWalker.com, and then all the various social media stuff. uh, You know, Instagram. Twitter and Facebook, I can be found. And if you happen to find this before the 31st at midnight, I'm teaching a class starting the 2nd of February. So registration is open up till the 31st of January at midnight. Beautiful. Fabeco? Uh, Fabeco.com and Facebook. That's it. Perfect. And uh, I am, I am at the Hermit's Lamp everywhere or the Hermit's Um, and Instagram being, in my point of view, despite all our commentary today, the uh, pinnacle of social media existence. So definitely come and check me out there. (laughs) All right, folks, thanks for making the time today. Uh, I really appreciate it as always. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks. So concludes another episode of Stacking Skulls. 
I want to take this moment to remind you that we recorded a 13-minute talk about practical ways to apply some of the stuff that we discussed in this, uh, especially around approaching plant spirits and building a deeper relationship with them. So if that inspires you, head on over to the Patreon and sign up there to support it. Uh, you'll also get access to all of the previous discussions. Uh, Tony Poole and I talking about how to get into the void. Barbara Moore and I discussing how to know if something is actually faded in your life or not. And, uh, you know, a whole growing slew of recordings and excitement like that. So we'll be back soon with another episode. Thank you, as always, for your support, for sharing it, for posting reviews, and for generally letting me know that you are enjoying this. Uh, it keeps my heart aflame with a passion for it. So I appreciate it a ton.